How to Create a Glitch Monologues Season 19 Chapter 1 This is Season 19 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 1. In this episode, we will be talking about esoteric meaning in revelatory texts. Specifically, we will be giving one example from the Christian New Testament, and two examples from the Quran. In past episodes, and in the complete series, we talk about the esoteric dimension of causality, the esoteric plate, which provides the guiding framework for the many phenomenon we see in our daily life. In fact, any revelatory text contains within it the seeds of meaning, which when understood properly reveal the patterns of human reality outlined in this podcast. Further to that point, with this podcast, I would like to compare the manner of esoteric revelation contained in two holy books, the New Testament and the Quran. In the past we have made mention of another esoteric precept from the New Testament, namely, the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, which presents an archetypal alignment and generates a patriarchal system of union between Father and Son. In this episode, I would like to refer to another passage. Specifically, the passage that I am referring to is Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now, in past episodes, we discussed how beyond the consensual, the non-consensual describes a reality which is fragmented from us, in that, it is multiplicitous. We move in proximity to each other, not truly in the same reality but adjacent. For we assume that objectivity exists, and when I write about non-consensual and consensual realities, you might think I am discussing the fragmentation of an objective thing. But what I am actually saying is that we exist in a kind of bubble of consensuality, each of us, and that these bubbles are often dissonant. And that the people we bring into our bubble are visitors from another reality, which could be completely different, in that it is a non-consensual reality. Now, the limits we put on others, define the limits of our consensual reality. When we project a limit upon another, we are saying that we do not consent to that version of them existing in our consensual framework. In effect, the limits of our consensual reality as it pertains to other people are the judgments we place upon them. Now, when we apply a limit to our consensual reality, separating the non-consensual from us, we are also so limited by others, that is to say, by our standard of measure, it will be measured to us. So, for example, Let's say you want to be in a monogamous relationship with someone. Let's say you refuse to consent to a polyamorous relationship. Then, the consensual union of your consensual reality with theirs will be defined by the limit you set. In other words, they will impose upon you your standard of measure. And you will be so limited. But the key point is that this limit is one-sided. They may exist in a completely different non-consensual reality which only intersects according to your standard of measure. In other words, the limits that you put on others, become your limits as well. Likewise, the multiplicity in meaning is produced by finding the right context for this esoteric statement, applying it to a particular understanding of reality. Multiplicity is often produced by parable or illusion, by allegory. In this example, the allegory is one of judgment, governing intersubjectivity. The entire statement can be reinterpreted according to a particular understanding of metaphysics. Now, let's take an example from the Quran. Quran, 39-20. 
but those mindful of their Lord will have elevated mansions, built one above the other, under which rivers flow. That is the promise of Allah. And Allah never fails in his promise. In this passage, the meaning becomes multiplicitous not because the whole statement has higher meanings, which it may, but because individual words in the statement possess multiple meanings. Mindful of the Lord could also be translated as God consciousness. The word mansions, in Arabic, is similar to the word imperfections. And under which rivers flow could also be translated as to cause to fall. In other words, this simple passage about paradise, could also mean, but those with God consciousness, will have elevated imperfections, one on top of the other, which shall cause them to fall, from the Godhead. This is an esoteric statement. It tells us that those with God consciousness those in tune with the all-in-all principle the recognition that we each are part of the Godhead will be highly imperfect, we will be cognizant of our many imperfections, which shall cause us to fall or descend, from the Godhead. In other words, it may be that when one attains God consciousness, one becomes cognizant of one's imperfections which are many and this will cause one to fall or descend from the Godhead. This meaning is followed by Quran 2.25, which reads, and give good news to those who believe and do righteous deeds that for them there are gardens beneath which rivers flow. Every time they are given a fruit from there to eat, they will say, this is what we have been given before, and they will be given, fruits, resembling one another. And for them there shall be wives purified, and there they will live forever. In this example, the word gardens can also be translated as madness. And the phrase, beneath which rivers flow, could be translated as, cause to descend or fall. And fruit could be translated as sustenance. And they will be given fruits resembling one another, could be translated as allegory. In other words, the meaning could be translated as, for those who believe, they will be given esoteric knowledge which will make them mad and cause them to descend. Whenever provided with ground, sustenance, they will say this is allegory and they will be there forever. In other words, belief gives one knowledge which causes divine madness, which precipitates a fall from God consciousness, which can only be relieved through understanding the allegory. Now, to prove the point of the translation, read the following passage, namely Quran 2.26 which reads Surely Allah does not shy away from using the parable of a mosquito or what is even smaller. As for the believers, they know that it is the truth from their Lord. And as for the disbelievers, they argue, what does Allah mean by such a parable? Through this test, he leaves many to stray, and guides many. And he leaves none to stray except the rebellious. In other words, God consciousness makes one mad, and as a test, the God conscious are given allegories, parables, which confound them, or free them. The difference between the esoteric lessons in the Quran and the New Testament are driven by the nature of the language of revelation. Arabic possesses an interesting feature of being multi-layered in meaning, perfect for the creation of multiple narratives and multiplicity. Whereas the passage in English becomes esoteric only when it is given a metaphysical dimension, as a whole. Nevertheless, I would suggest that the esoteric truths revealed by these two texts are intermingled and form part of a similar narrative. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.